0: Beautiful. I'll take the answers you will provide, so I'm counting on that today. We have another out-of-the-ordinary service today. We don't usually do this, but I've been collecting questions that you all had for me, and I'm just going to pull them out of the basket today and see what comes up and see what answers we have. So I have not seen these questions. I answered about half of them first service, so I'm not going to answer those again. Uh, And we'll see what comes out from this service today, but I thought I'd start with... um, It felt a little odd to me, I have to be honest, not to have like a topic to be thinking about for today and to be contemplating that all week, and I felt like I was forgetting something because there was really no way to prepare for this day. And sometimes I do get that question, like, how do you prepare for your Sunday service? So I thought I'd at least start with that, just briefly. Um, As you all know, I don't really use notes or anything. I gave that up a long time ago. I don't practice, I don't stand in front of the mirror and pretend I'm giving my talk to somebody. Um, but I do hold whatever the topic is in my, in my mind throughout the week. And I usually leave here on Sunday and I'm already thinking about what I'm talking about next week. And I hold that topic in my mind and I just let spirit move me, you know, what, what it seems to apply. And I'll just gather things up through the week and then what comes out on Sunday morning is really not up to me. know, so it's a great way to show up and be here, and I'm going to trust we're going to show up and be here with these questions that I've not seen, and that I'm trusting are great questions, so Donna, I'm going to let you pick out the first one, and uh, let's see what it is. So, question for Joanne, why is there betrayal and jealousy in the world? Why is there betrayal and jealousy in the world? Well, as I I think about that question, I think about H. Emily Cady. How many of you have read Emily Cady's book, Lessons in Truth? Right? So Emily makes a a comment in there. There's a quote in there about how, um, you know, evil is not real. Right? Something like that. That's a paraphrase. I don't know her exact words. But it's that evil really is an illusion. And so when I think about this question... Why is there jealousy and betrayal in the world? I think about those people who have given power to the ideas that create evil in this world that we can't deny that we see. I mean, evil does take place. It's just it's not the truth of what is, right? So in unity, we teach that uh, we are whole and holy and that we are here to reveal our Christ's self. And those of us here in unity are working really hard at that, right? Does anybody get that right 100% of the time? Is there anybody? You could stand up and say, okay. So do all of you sometimes feel, you know, betrayal and and jealousy? Maybe you sometimes feel anger, right? Um, Unforgiveness, right? All of those things. Fear. Anybody feel fear? Worry, doubt, concern? Shall we keep going on, right? All of these things that we can experience here in this world even as we teach that God is the only power and the only presence and the only reality in this life, in my life, and in the universe, right? And that God is good and omnipotence itself. And yet, here we are in this world where we can experience things that are looked at as bad or evil or out of alignment with that truth. So how does that happen? How does it happen for you or I? Right? What happens when you or I feel those things? How do we get there when we come here every Sunday and declare and know, I am divine. I am the Christ expressing. I am uniquely individualized God in expression. We all know this, right? We say this week after week. We come together, we agree with it, and then we go out and we experience something other than. Well, how does that happen? My favorite analogy for that is a window. So that's the one I'm going to share today. So imagine when we're born, we're like this window, this perfectly clear window of glass that you can see through and that the light can shine through without an issue, right? You, you see through it and you see the light that, that that new one is in that window. But over time, through the activity of life, through what happens in the world, all of us together, our window begins to get clouded over. Anybody experience that? So that I'm not seeing clearly anymore. So that I forget who I am in truth. Anybody ever forget who you are in truth? Even if you're really clear right now in this moment. Anybody ever forget? And in that forgetfulness, in that window clouding over because we cannot see clearly because we've forgotten, how do we sometimes show up? There's less than we'd like, right? And others in our lives show up as less than we'd like, right? And all it is is because the window has gotten so clouded over, we can't see clearly through that window anymore to see the light that we all are with one another, and we act from that place of forgetfulness. And in that place of forgetfulness, we make all kinds of mistakes. Error consciousness, right? So unity teaches that as well. In fact, unity teaches sin is nothing more than that, an error, an error thought, an error idea. So anything that has to do with fear, betrayal, anger, bitterness, any of those kinds of things happen in the world because we forget who we are. And there's a whole bunch of people in this world that have forgotten who they are, including all of us, right? So we have to come together, and we have to remind one another of the truth, and we have to be sure, Christy, that you know that you are the light of God expressing so that you can make choices and connect to that idea and express that divine idea. And it takes each and every one of us committed to that idea, right, to let go of and release the evil and the error that we see in the world. Because without our keeping it going, how long do you think it would last? be done, right? Like if all of us just stop, just stop. Now, stop. It'd be done. The world would be healed. Just love each one in front of you. The world would be healed. But the fact that we see in the world this evil that continues to happen is because we keep it going. And yes, that's you and I too, unless you raise your hand that you get it right hundred percent of the time. Right? So fear betrayal. I'm going to get my dad. My mom and dad are here with me today. Yeah, nice, right? I can read it. Thank you. So, what part of the course does not ring true for you? So, this is the Course in Miracles. How many of you have done a Course in Miracles or are studying a Course in Miracles now? Yeah, I did a Course in Miracles back in 1997, I think, for the year And it did um, speak to me. I had picked it up, like, I don't know, 10 or 12 years before that and tried to read it and couldn't get through it and kept putting it back up on myself. And then finally, in 1997, I guess I was ready for it. And I decided to do the course over an entire year. So those of you who are familiar with the course know that there's a couple of pieces to the course. One is the text. The text reads a lot like Scripture. uh, For those of you who don't know, it's supposed to be channeled from Jesus. And uh, it reads a lot like scripture, but it says things that are a little bit different than scripture. But it is um, what what we're talking about in the Course, all through the text, really in so many different ways, is love and forgiveness. And that's it. And it said the Course says it over and over and over and over and over and over again in so many different ways until finally you'll hear it, oh, I see, life is about love and forgiveness, right? And then in addition to the text of the Course, There's workbook lessons, 365 of them, so it fits perfectly into a year. So for a year, I did a workbook lesson every day and read a section of the text until I finished the course after a year. When I finished the course, if somebody had asked me at that time, well, what did you find with the course? I would have said, you know, it was a great spiritual discipline. Every day, I read my text. Every day, I did my workbook lessons, and that in and of itself was great. And I didn't even realize how changed I was on the inside from doing the course over a year until I had an experience, some of you might have heard me speak of this experience before, about a month after I completed the course. And I was at a roller rink. This was so many years ago. My kids were little in elementary school, and they were having a roller skating night. And there I was, roller skating around this rink, thinking about how good I am, Look at how good I'm doing, compared to these other moms, look at me, you know, You know that voice, right, of comparison and competition and all of that that goes on, separation inside of us? That voice was loud that day. There it was. And then all of a sudden, I can't even explain, but in an instant, suddenly I realized that I was one with everything. And what was this voice inside of me that was comparing and contrasting and wanting to be better than someone else. And where did that fit in if I knew that everything was one? And even as I'm sharing all of this, it's taking me longer to tell you what I experienced than the experience itself, which was instant. And from that moment, everything shifted. That's all I can say. It was like, yes that idea of oneness became more than an idea. It became a reality. And to this day, I have not picked up the course since I completed it, in 1998 then because it took a year, but I hear myself speaking the Course all the time like there's only love and a call for love and you can't meet a call for love with love, you have to meet a call for, you can't meet a call for love with a call for love, you have to meet it with love. That's where the miracle takes place, right? So the question here is what part of the Course does not ring true to you? So for a long time, the Course was in Unity, and then it was out of Unity, and now it's back into Unity again. And some of that is that there are people in Unity who feel that or felt that the Course didn't really align completely with Unity, and so perhaps we shouldn't be teaching it in Unity churches. So the part that I think probably for me doesn't ring completely true is from the Course perspective, and this is from my looking at it so many years ago, so some of you might understand this more than I, but from the Course perspective, this world that we're living in right here, right now, wasn't created by God. From the Course perspective, it was created by us in our mind. We created this world, and therefore it's an illusion. From Unity's perspective, as we teach, We teach that God, divine mind, creator, substance, source of all that is, is the creator of this life. Even as we forget, right? Go back to the first question. Even as we forget and create from a place that is in forgetfulness, nonetheless, standing under it all is that power and that presence that is God that is there waiting to be revealed and reflected in our world. And I would say for me, from my understanding, that's the biggest piece that I didn't quite align with in the Course, and and, and that's the idea that God didn't create this world. Right? Well, I get that. In another sense, it tends to a lot of people that I've known go, go through the Course, they step back and go, well, it's not real anyway. So why do the work? Which is not what the Course is saying, please. Don't don't hear that. The Course is saying, do the work. Love one another. Forgive one another. Meet each moment in love and watch the miracle take place. And all of that, I fully align with, with the Course. We do have a Course in Miracles group that meets here. Anybody in that group? Raise your hand if you're in that group on Saturdays. No? Oh, yeah, one. We've got one. Good. So they meet at 3, 3.30. 3? on Saturday, so if you'd like to learn more about the course, please attend that and learn some more. All right. Carrie. Thank you. All right, so our next question is, no (laughs) questions. Just thank you. (laughs) So, thank you. (laughs) This 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 is from somebody who's not here, and they just wanted me to know. Thank you. I appreciate you. So, gosh, isn't that awesome. Break, Don. Reach in there and pull one out. Let's see what we got. What does unity teach about life after death? (laughs) This is a big one because we had a couple questions like this last service. So I'm glad to be able to talk about it again. I did not put this one back. What does unity teach about life after death? Unity teaches that we don't know, (laughs) we don't know what takes place after death. We don't know. It's a mystery. How many of you are comfortable with mystery? Oh, there's a few hands. Well, then you guys are probably okay with that idea that we don't know. But for the rest of us, we want to know. Tell me what happens, right? Well, I'll tell you this much, and science agrees with us, and that is that life is eternal. And how do I know that? Because science teaches... That energy cannot be created or destroyed, it can only be transformed. And what are you and I? We're just energy, right? And so therefore, we will not be destroyed, we will be simply transformed, that much I know. Beyond that, it's such a great mystery, isn't it? A mystery that we have to make peace with. A mystery that we have to embrace so that we can fully be present and available in life, the question the last time it came up, last service, was also around why do we fear death so much? Right? So there's this whole idea about death and the mystery of it, and it can keep us from living fully and completely here and now in this moment because we just want to know, and there's a part of us that feels such fear with not knowing, right? I think I've shared this story before. It happened after my mother-in-law passed away. And I was in this question, as I have been after people pass away that are close to me, right? That's when it really comes up. Like, what happened to them? Where are they? What happened? And I remember having that question when Catherine passed away. And at the time, I was driving down 90, heading towards Erie. And I'm driving just going, I want to know. I wish I knew what happened to Catherine. And this little voice popped up in my head and said, well, you could just drop off, drive off the road and find out. I said, no, I don't want to know that badly. (laughs) That's a true story, yeah, because we want to know, don't we? So here's what unity teaches. Unity teaches that life is eternal, but that we don't know. And so rather than getting all caught up in the fear and the worry and the concern and the focus about where am I going after I die, how about if we just fully lived? We were fully engaged and fully present in this moment, this here, this now, and loved one another, and had compassion and forgiveness with one another, and celebrated life with one another. And just simply trusted, as our first principle tells us, that God is good. That God is good, so what but good could be there waiting for us when this body is set aside? Right? God is good, so let us celebrate that in each and every moment. Now, I will tell you that Unity has a lot of people within it that believe in reincarnation. How many of you believe in reincarnation? So there's a lot of hands that are raising. Sure. Charles Fillmore, one of our co-founders of Unity, believed, this is a story that I've heard, the rumor, is that Charles believed he was the reincarnation of Paul from the Bible, right? I don't know. Could be, right? Some of us do believe in this idea of reincarnation. But even that, I used to go through, like earlier on in my life, I'd think, oh, okay, so if reincarnation is real, how am I going to make sure that I end up with Gary again? Right? And I'd get caught up in all of those ideas, right? Well, that's another life. Let that go. We got this life. We have this here, this now. Let's make the most of it. Right? So that's my brief spiel on what happens in unity after death? We got a couple more. I got one more for sure. I can answer, hands. So let's see. we got two there. There we go. All right. Let's see what this one is. Oh, this is from Margie. A comment from last week. Yes, there she is. See, we. So how many of you were here last week for our service last week? I just know that this is Margie's comment from that service, which was all about thankfulness, and she just had a comment for me. Fastest bestest, most sacred service ever. So thank you, Margie. I know that that's what that was about. Yeah. So we do have time to read one more, and I think, Margie, you ought to pull that next one out. So if we do this again, you all be thinking about your questions, and you can put your question in the basket. What does a person do when the significant other is very critical and judgmental and knows how to just take the wind out of your sails? I'm not leading at this point as I do love this person. Oh, I'm not leaving at this point as I do love this person. Anybody got somebody like that in your life? No. (laughs) Who was that? (laughs) Yeah, that was great. Yeah, so what do we do when somebody that we love, maybe even our significant other, right, is critical and judgmental? Well, I'm going to throw it back to you all. What do you do? Who's got an answer? Lee. Let it be. Let it be. <laughs> Let it be. Okay, that's hard. Anybody good at that? <laughs> All right, Don, you got an answer? You have to change your whole attitude and work it in a different way. So what do we have control over? Where do we tend to focus on the other, right? Like, John, if you only changed everything here, it would be good, yeah. right? No, we got to take it on ourselves. How, how do I need to change? What attitude do I need to shift in me, right, to meet this one? Anybody else have an idea? Jesse? You have to love them however they show up. So those of you who are married or have significant others in your life, have you yet found that the greatest gift that they give you is the gift of acceptance, right? Acceptance over and over and over again, as much as we love one another, right? We're still all unique and individual and showing up however we show up. So, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Christy, pray for them. How many of you pray for those in your life that are challenging, right? I mean, that was the instruction Jesus gave us. So praise. Beautiful. Okay, one more. Yes. Okay, so so what I'm gonna pull from that is the understanding piece, right? The understanding piece. So when I hear reject what they say, what I'm what I'm hearing is Give no power to the idea of, of who you think that they are in that moment, right? Because remember, it all started with this idea that we could all forget. And from that place of forgetfulness, we all make choices that we wouldn't necessarily make if we were in our right mind, right? So somebody that's in your life that's being judgmental or whatever, they're just showing up in their forgetfulness. And so to reject their um they're being less than whole and holy in that moment. That's the rejection. And then to go back and try to understand. So let me understand why it is, how it is that they're showing up this way. Let me understand how I can show up to create some harmony here. Right? Yeah, beautiful. beautiful. Okay, one more, Shannon. So put your focus back on them. How can I serve them? How can I be there for them? How can I love them? How can I accept them? So in unity, we have 12 powers inside of us, right? And these 12 powers are inside of us to help us to meet each and every situation that we have to meet. So with this particular question in mind, what do I do when somebody in my life shows up in this way? Well, number one, I have the power of faith. What eyes am I going to perceive them with? Am I going to perceive them with eyes that are remembering their true nature? I have the power of love inside me. That's the harmonizing power. If I am really in this place of love, then that relationship will be harmonized. Either you'll be drawn together or you'll be pushed apart, but it'll be harmonized one way or the other, right? We have the power of wisdom within us. That wisdom that helps us to discern and to know what is ours to do. How am I to show up? Wisdom. We have the power of strength within us to persevere through whatever the challenge might be. We can get through this. We have the power of power within us. The power to speak words of truth, to take charge of the thoughts that we're holding in our minds and to align instead with that divine mind of God and to speak and to act from that place. We have the power of understanding within us to know that underneath of whatever is happening, God is there waiting to be revealed. And we have the power of will within us to make a different choice. So rather than showing up and biting back at them, we can make a different choice and take a breath and meet them with grace and with love. We have the power of of release inside of us, where we can let go of every idea that we're holding about that one and how they ought to be. We can let that all go and affirm life, the power of life. What do I want to give life to in this situation? So we all have challenging people in our lives, and here is the piece that I want you to take from this question. They're all a gift. They're all a gift. So I want you to stop here for a moment and think about that one person in your life that shows up in ways that you wish they wouldn't. But if you could, you'd change them. And I want you to pause for a minute and take a breath and to affirm, you are a gift to me. You are a gift to me. Because each one is simply showing up in your life at this time to help you to remember the truth. Who you are the truth of how to love, the truth of how to forgive and to understand, the truth of being compassionate. Such a gift. I'm out of time. I'd keep going if I could. I'm going to get a bulletin. You might notice on the back of the bulletin today that there is no spiritual practice listed. And you might be sitting here thinking, Phew, no homework this week. Right? Wrong. So how many of you already have a spiritual practice that you do each week? Raise your hand if you do. Great. For those of you who already have a spiritual practice, do what you're doing. Keep doing that. That's good. For those that don't have a spiritual practice, what are some things you could do this week? Meditate. Pray. Morning prayer call. Join me, 8 a.m., information's in your bulletin. Read spiritual. Read something spiritual every day. Begin your day reading something spiritual, right? Laugh at yourself. Laugh at yourself. Don't take yourself so seriously. Right? So there's lots of ways. But this is the important thing. Recognize and realize that every moment of every day, without exception, is an opportunity for you to practice and practice and practice. And practice some more. We all need practice. Right? So will you join me in that? Whatever your practice will be for this week? Yeah. Beautiful. So I want to end with this quote from Myrtle on the cover. The Christ man was not made to fill feel, feel creeds or dogmas. Who's the Christ man? Take out the man language. Who's the Christ human? I am. All right, everybody together. Who's the Christ man? That's right. Who's the Christ man? Right. So it was, you were not made to fill creeds and dogmas. The great lesson that Jesus came to teach, but only for those who are free to think for themselves, have discovered it. And that is that you are here to be that Christ man, that Christ human. You are here to be that. Go so be that and let your light shine. Thank you.